When Desiree was arrested, she became a symbol of all that was wrong with zero-tolerance policies in the United States. Despite her petite, six-year-old frame, Desiree was perceived as a threat to public safety. Many were outraged, but most seemed to dismiss it as an isolated incident. Then other incidents began to reach the media. In 2012, six-year-old Celicia Johnson was arrested in Georgia for throwing books, toys, and wall hangings, amounting to a tantrum that was again determined by the school authorities to be an incident worthy of police intervention. Not only was Celicia handcuffed during this horrifying incident, she was actually hauled to the police station, an experience that left the kindergartner, according to her mother, Constance Ruff, waking at night, screaming, They're coming to get me! This episode was followed by one in 2013, involving eight-year-old Jemiah Rickman, an autistic child who suffered from depression and separation anxiety. Her hands, feet, and waist were restrained when she was arrested in her Illinois elementary school. After throwing a bad tantrum and allegedly trying to hit a school resource officer, Following her removal from campus, Jemiah, despite her special needs, was held in the police car for almost two hours. And there were others, most of which did not make the nightly news. Today, black children are 18% of preschool enrollment, but 42% of preschool-age children who have had one out-of-school suspension and 48% of preschool-age children who have experienced more than one out-of-school suspension. Between 2002 and 2006, per-district suspension rates of black girls increased by 5.3% compared to a 1.7% increase for black boys. Among the nation's ten highest-suspending school districts, Black girls with one or more disability experience the highest suspension rate of all girls. The experiences of Desiree, Celicia, and Jemiah represent the worst and most egregious applications of punitive school disciplinary practices. However, from coast to coast, black girls tell stories of being pushed out of school and criminalized for falling asleep, standing up for themselves, asking questions, wearing natural hair, wearing revealing clothing, and in some cases engaging in unruly, although not criminal or delinquent, acts in school, mostly because what constitutes a threat to safety is dangerously subjective when black children are involved. What's happening is about more than whether or not girls are sitting in the back of a police car because of a tantrum. This chapter explores the discipline disparities that affect black girls and the gaps that are generally fueled by three core issues. The perceived bad attitude of black girls, zero-tolerance policies, and other highly punitive school practices relying on instruments of surveillance that conflate student conflict with criminal activity, and the criminalization of black girls' appearance absent any actions or behaviors that threaten the safety of students or teachers on campus. They're not docile. I once asked a classroom of college students how they would describe the black girl attitude. Neck rolling, one student yelled out. Eye rolling, finger snapping, said another student. Just ghetto, said another. 
It's infamous, that attitude. Even as you read this, no matter your race, background, or ethnicity, your mind is likely floating toward an image of a brown-skinned young woman with her arms folded, lips pursed, and head poised to swivel as she gives a thorough eye-reading and then settles into either an eye-roll or a teeth-sucking dismissal. Or maybe you imagined her head tilted, her eyebrows raised, and her hands on her hips, one or two depending on the circumstance. Or possibly you envisioned her face with a scowl, her lips slightly turned up to show just a few teeth. Across the country, the student identity of black girls is often filtered, assessed, and understood through how much attitude she gives to others around her, discussed as if it were as concrete.